Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley. I am joined here with Pastor Rudot, who is hey, right now doing all of our media presentations. He's getting to make sure everybody knows what's going on, where they can find us, how they can find us, and uh, he's going to keep track of some of our chats so that uh, we have an opportunity to stay in yes. contact with you. So we welcome any of you who are, are watching or listening due to the Forward in Christ article. We were featured in the February edition of the Forward in Christ as a podcast for individuals to listen to. And uh, so we're glad that you're with us. Uh, our goal for the Casting Nets podcast is to talk about real life and living faith. Uh, it's a, a, a One of our goals is to combine ministries of congregations in the area. How can we better serve the, the church in our area and also the church at large? So... Uh, this is a Bible class for individuals in our congregations who can't make it to Bible classes for whatever reason, and uh, or they want to supplement what's going on in Bible class, want to take it to a deeper level. And uh, so that's what we have the Casting Nets podcast for. Yeah, and uh, today we actually are using some new technology. So uh, we used to have um, the boom mics, which I kind of like. They're, they're very clear, and I like those boom mics, and you had everything separated, and we, we kind of... Uh, invested in um, some higher grade technology. I don't know if they're higher grade, it's just different technology with everything all in one so that we can move around and, and you can always hear us no matter which way we're facing, what we're doing, uh, and we're not going to be hitting those mic stands. Um, if, if for whatever reason the volume or the, the quality is less than what you have learned to expect from us, um, I'm sorry to disappoint you. It's It's let us know. Just let us know. Yeah, um, we're, we're, it's a learning process for yeah, a learning curve. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if we disappoint you in the content, that's, I mean, normal. <laughs> <laughs> if we disappoint in the sound quality, though, <laughs> that would be something that... We can do something about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, once again, uh, thank you for joining us. As we have an opportunity to continue the Scandalous Stories, um, which is something we've been kind of working on, we're coming to an end of that pretty soon. Uh, maybe about two more episodes, and then then we'll be looking to, to move our way to uh, something yeah. else. Um, but we continue the scandalous stories. As we talk about these scandalous stories, if we uh, say something that you find offensive, that is not our intent to offend you. Um, you can always fast forward it a little bit, or you can turn us off, turn to something else. Um, but this is the beginning of a conversation. Uh, between two pastors who are kind of just opening ourselves up to say, here's the kind of stuff that we talk about uh, on a normal basis because we have no life um, except for the life that we have been given in Christ. And so we talk about that. And uh, if you'd like to continue this conversation, you can reach me here at St. John in Maribel on Sunday. I invite you to come to the Lord's house and receive his gifts. Um, you can also reach um, Pastor Rudot at our northern campus there up in Emmanuel Shirley, and he'll be there to uh, help administer God's gifts to you and, and continue the conversation. If you want to catch us on our Facebook page, Casting Nets Podcast on on Facebook, as well as uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Um, you can follow us on YouTube, and you can follow us on your Emmanuel YouTube page. Yes. Yep. So Yeah, all the YouTube pages in the uh, Emmanuel uh, Shirley YouTube page or Casting Nets YouTube page, and if you want to get notified when we put stuff on there, make sure you click on that little bell down below, and then yeah. it'll automatically notify you when when new content is put up. Um, if you're following us on, on, on just listening to the show and you are using uh, Apple Podcast, 
uh, or if or you're Google or Podcast, Google or Spotify. Yeah, or Spotify. Um, I know that uh, uh, Pastor Rudat would say only give us four stars because we don't want his head to get any bigger. That's right. Um, but my head could use some <laughs> swelling, and so I'm going to say give us five stars. Um, it also, it, what it does is it helps increase our ratings so that when people are searching for uh, religious things or they're searching for things that, that we maybe have had a topic on, it'll help um, get things closer. Um, unfortunately, we've had a couple of, of chats that I do want to uh, I want to comment on um, before we begin and, and dive into the show. The first is, um, if you have little children and you are listening to the show, thank you because you are taking time out of the greatest vocation of being parent um, to listen to two guys who are playing at pastoring. Um, and so uh, thank you for that. But if your child is not napping, um, I have been told I have one of those voices that put people to sleep. So hopefully by the end of the show, we'll be able to do that. I would sing, and I have you know various songs that I like to sing. I have a song about tacos, but it's more of a rap. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so there was the dad joke okay. for this morning. Hopefully uh, we won't have any others return. I do have a couple in the hopper, so... <laughs> But I will save them for when we're somewhere in the in the wheelhouse of the, the appropriate subject. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll save that one. Um, as we make our transitions here, then, uh, we will be right back with the, the main topic of our show as we continue our look at scandalous stories. in Luke chapter 14. So if you are listening or watching and you want to get your Bible open to Luke chapter 14, we will be reading from the Evangelical Heritage Version. The In the chapter, there's a book called Scandalous Stories that we're kind of basing this on. You just We don't necessarily talk about the same thing the author talks about, but we just use the same stories. And uh, today, he just has verse, chapter 14, verses 16 and following, and we, both of us, agreed and as we sat down today to get ready the, for this podcast. Yes, in spite of what you might think, we actually do kind of plan a little bit, not as much as I would like to plan, but Will Harley challenges me so that I make sure I, I become a better pastor um, by just going on the fly and just talking about things. But as we sat down right before the show, we said, let's really do the entire chapter of chapter 14. Well, and and it's not the entire chapter. It's only oh, yeah, verse sorry, 24 yeah, yeah. because, you know, that's um, if you go to the whole thing, you're going to eventually get to counting the cost, and, and we're not there yet. That would really be offensive to people um, that we, we tell them that actually there's a cost to being a disciple of Christ. So, I mean, we'll save that for a more, sure. a more pressing time. But let's jump on into our uh, text for today. So as we, uh, we have a... a a chance you can see it up here on if you're watching this live um, if you are not and you're just listening we are going to read it for you um, we're going to take it in its entirety and then we'll kind of just back off and and talk about the different sections um, as as they present themselves so here we go um, we are looking at Luke chapter 14 starting at verse 1 one Sabbath day, when Jesus went into the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat bread, they were watching him closely. Right in front of him was a man who was suffering from swelling of his body. 
Jesus addressed the legal experts and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent, so he took hold of the man, healed him, and let him go. He said to them, Which of you, if your son or an ox would fall into a well on a Sabbath day, would not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Then he noticed how they were selecting the places of honor. He told the invited guests a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline in the place of honor, or perhaps someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. The one who invited both of you may come and tell you, give this man your place, then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place so that when the one who invited you comes, he will tell you, friend, move up to a higher place. Then you will have honor in the presence of all who are reclining at the table with you. Yes, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He also said to the one who had invited him, should we stop there? Stop? Yeah, yeah, yeah we can, that's a lot stop. to go over. And so, so we'll come back to 12 here. Um, and so we are, this we just on this conversation here. Yeah, this is the third time that Jesus has entered into a Pharisee's home. Uh, he's entered into, he's done this before and he's done this afterwards where it's a more welcome environment, such as when Matthew, who is a tax collector, invites Jesus into his home. So Jesus goes in and there's Pharisees there as well. Um, Zacchaeus, uh, same thing. But now this one is... Um, Jesus is being watched, uh, verse 1, right away. They are watching him closely. The, the Greek there is just like they're intently watching. They're, they're watching his every single move. It's a very hostile environment for Jesus in, in the context of a very beautiful thing, of having people over to your house. How joyous is it to have people around? You're, you're having a good time. You're enjoying God's gifts, uh, uh, God's gifts of food, um, not, not the gifts of the Lord's Supper, but just the gifts of, of, of food and uh, sitting around and enjoying oneself, enjoying God's providence. Jesus knows that they're not um, there to welcome him. They're not there to pay him any honor or respect, but they're there to uh, find evidence. They're, they're, they're a bunch of lawyers looking through the, the evidence, looking for, for a crime. Sure. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is, is you have a man who is now present who is suffering. Um, you know, he is... Uh, he's suffering from a swelling of his body, so you have you have some type of a joint issue maybe going on, yeah. um, and and I think it's what what's interesting is how that man got there. Um, we've had more than one occurrence um, where where the Lord kind of shows us that these parties, uh, either by set up by design, are in, are letting other people come in that normally would not be the most savory of people for a Pharisee to associate with. Um, and, and maybe this is where, um, like you said, they're, they're laying in wait for him. They're, they, they're watching him closely. Maybe they invited him uh, for the sole purpose of we're going to test Jesus and we're going to see what he's going to do because he's notorious for healing people. Um, and, and, it's and, the and this is the Sabbath. So we're going to test him and see if this is something he does on a regular basis just to blaspheme or, or what the case may be. Um, and, and so it's, I think it's interesting because, I, you know, the Lord knows they're, they're leaning towards watching me closely. He knows that they're trying to set him up. Um, he sees a man who's suffering, 
and he asks a question that really strikes the heart. You know, I, I, we don't know this, and so this is just me spouting off the top of my head, but I wonder if they weren't even thinking about him being healed, but what is Jesus going to say about somebody who is dealing with this? Perhaps there's some sin that he has committed, or they're, they're trying to trap Jesus and to say, oh, you have this terrible thing, or oh, it's something that you've done, you haven't kept the law correctly, or something like that. They're, trying, they're not even, the, the idea of healing him may not have been on their radar. I don't know, I could be corrected, but I'm just thinking off, off the top of my head, why is that man there? Somehow there, it, he's going to challenge Jesus, and then Jesus goes ahead of it and, and says, well, um, what is the the biggest problem here is that this man needs to be healed. Well, and I and I think you know there is something to be said about what you're saying, and I and I think there's, it's worth taking a look at, because we look at it and we we kind of preload our disposition onto this whole thing and say, okay, um, Jesus has normally done X Y Z. They're going to lay and wait for him to do X Y Z and then jump all over him. Um, I think maybe it would be fair to say, you know, they are trying to find any little thing that they can they can to to kind of show Jesus isn't who he says he is or isn't what he is acting like um and and so they're they're greatly offended with a lot of that he does and so they're going to try to find every little thing that they can to keep that offense going um and so it, it doesn't matter because he asks them that question that I think you know really hits the heart of the scandalous nature of what's going to follow throughout all of these examples. And yeah, and Jesus demonstrates we are demonstrates a love for that individual that wants what's best for that individual, where the Pharisees were putting that individual not for his sake, not that they're trying to help this individual, but perhaps to help themselves, so it's all inwardly focused. Right. And, and I think his uh, that inward focus, he, he redirects and he, he goes back to the law, which is exactly what they're going to hit. Mm. And, and his, his question is, is it lawful? I mean, he's, he's bringing it into the, into the very center of where they're going to want to feel most comfortable talking. I mean, these are the Pharisees. These are the, the, the chief, uh, not chief priests, but the, the, the legal experts that are going to be gathered there. And he's, he's really saying to them, I, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to think about the laws, the laws of the Lord. And I want to ask you, is it, is it lawful? Is it lawful to, to do this work of healing on the Sabbath day? So, you know, you're dealing with a third commandment issue, right? This is a, a, a third commandment issue that we should honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does it mean, right? Um, and that it should be a day of rest. What does that mean? What, what is being talked about? Um, <coughs> now, why, why do I say it, it reaches the heart? Because <coughs> ultimately, all of the law is summed up in two commands, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and that's really what I think Jesus is focusing them on, and yet they don't see that. <coughs> they see the obedience to the law over and above anything else. Yeah, so he, he poses that question to them. They answer. They don't give him an answer, and then he heals them and lets them go. So he uh, removes him from the equation, um, and uh, then he asks the, the disciples a very pointed. The, I'm sorry, not the disciples, but he asks the Pharisees a very pointed question: If there's something in danger on the Sabbath day, wh what's more important, something that's in danger, or uh, keeping of the of the Sabbath law? Well, and and interestingly enough, so. <coughs> we kind of gloss over it. They didn't say anything. And we're like, we say to ourselves, well, they didn't say anything. Like as if they were shocked. 
no, they didn't say anything because they didn't want to incriminate themselves. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's why they didn't say anything. But, but what really is, to me, the, the shocker here, um, or, or the thing that I, I, I think is interesting, is when he is proving his point, he, he really hits them kind of right where it hurts. He says, if your son, right, or an ox of yours, it was really the idea. So if it was your kid or if it was your property, if they had a problem and they needed to be healed or helped on the Sabbath day, what would you do? And the answer to that is, I, w- I love my kids. I, I, I love my stuff. Of course I'm going to, I, I, I am not as religious to think that I wouldn't do that for them. Um, the question is, uh, or the comment, it's interesting to me that Jesus would even go to the Pharisee's house in the first place. Um, that is an I- that is a uh, it is interesting. It's not outside of his character, though. Um, you know, he came to seek and save the lost, um, and, and that didn't just include the the poor and the hungry and the sick and the prostitutes and the sinners. I take great comfort in that because there are so many times when we as Christians are we enter in a situation where we go, I really don't want to be here, or they have they have their knives out to get me. Uh, this is going to be. Uh, not a pleasant experience for me, but just to know that my Savior Jesus did exactly the same thing that I did. Um, he knows exactly what I'm going through. No temptation has seized him um, that we haven't already experienced. So he knows exactly what that's like, and then he also knows that because he knows that he loves me, that he's going to make sure that I don't feel alone in those situations, that I don't feel like I, I, it's all up to me, and then it's all up to my uh, wisdom, or that... Uh, and then the, other, the second comfort is, is he wants to engage them in conversation and they're not engaging. So to me, when, when it says they're silent, sometimes you don't know why they're silent, but w- one of those things of plausibility is like they don't want to engage him in conversation. They just want to point out error. They just want to find evidence. They're, they don't actually want to like have a conversation, kind of like Luther and, and, the, and the Roman Catholics, where Luther wants to have a conversation. Let's talk about these things. And the Catholics are uh, the Roman Catholic authority said, "No, we just want you to shut up, Luther. Uh, we don't want to actually have a conversation." Well, and and that comes back down to typically what we have in life, right? In life, we, when you believe something, when you want something, when you think you're right, you don't want to, to have a conversation about someone else, and it, it tells you how secure you are in what you think you know, mm-hmm. and and maybe these Pharisees don't really know what they think they know, um, or they are not committed to knowing what they think they know. Um, and so what happens is, is you have, you have um, Jesus kind of just narrowing it down and, and saying, I'm, if you aren't going to have a conversation with me, I, I am going to tell you what I already know because I'm seeing it. Um, and the first thing I'm seeing is, is you would show this love to somebody you are related to, something that you own. Why wouldn't you show the same love to somebody else? And then he's going to step back when they have no answer, and he's going to say, now here's something else I'm noticing that is on that same line of love and that same line of importance. Um, and instead of saying, instead of, instead of really looking at the law and saying, the law is loving my Lord, loving my neighbor, you are loving yourself. 
And so that's where yeah, so that's where he gets part, the yeah, next part. The, the spot, the spot about who, where, yeah. where should you sit when it comes to a banquet? Yeah, and so he he uh, interestingly enough he uses a wedding banquet. Um, so I mean your kingdom talk, <laughs> this is kingdom speak. Um, you know, he, many times the Lord has used a wedding banquet to to kind of uh, highlight this is what heaven is going to be like, the joy of of what you'll have. Um, and then he says, okay, so, you know, you're invited to this and you go and you think you are, you're, you're, you think you're something. And you go and you take this position of um, class, the, uh, how else you want to say, sta high standing, yeah. uh, high honor. It's like going up, it's like, <laughs> it's like going to the, the wedding and going straight up to the main table and sitting right next to where the bride and the groom were, where, you know, you really, that's the place for the maid of honor the matron uh, or, or uh, the, the best man uh, and the wedding party. And you think, well, I'm that important. I should be able to be up here. Um, and so that's really what we're, we're picturing here. Yeah, and it is interesting because you think about it. Jesus is not given the position of honor. And he's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you're, you're, you are, you're sitting at my spot. When you come to my party. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there is you that. Know, I, I created those, the, the, those right. couches, and I created uh, the food that you're about to eat. Uh, I came up with that design, and, yeah. and here I am sitting wherever I they. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that day. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say which spot Jesus was picking. What, what no. spot they gave him? But, but it makes you anyway. almost. But it, it. But the way that it's worded, you know, when in verse seven he says, "When he noticed how they, they were selecting the places of honor," um, it, it makes you almost get this idea that Jesus did not select anything. Jesus didn't go and sit. Yeah. He kind of refrained, and he was just watching what was going on. He he was just he he kind of stood back and and he was people watching, you know, watching the watchers. Yeah, and and Jesus does that a lot. He watches people, and and he he looks for the opportunity to to share something that'll change their life forever, um, and hopefully bring them back to the cross and bring them back to to the forgiveness of sins. Uh, m maybe that's something we could all learn, you know, and uh, maybe shut our mouth a little bit more, and and watch and say, here's my opportunity, because I was watching for it. Um, I can make a connection here. Um, anything else about that particular, th that particular first wedding banquet parable? Um, probably following that same, I, I would say, the following that same scandalous idea, um, the idea of when you look at the law of the Lord, it is love the Lord, love your neighbor. And, and now we are seeing in this wedding, uh, the first one we saw lack of love, for the health and well-being of someone who's less fortunate. And now we're seeing in this, in the parable of the wedding, we're seeing a lack of love in admitting someone might be worth more than you or, or have a better standing than you. So there's that lack of, um, you could call it humility. Or, yeah, self-inflated love. or Right, there's, a, there's more of a self-pride which is a loving of self mm -hmm. over and above someone else. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say he's he's getting on this kick of, um, I mean, we call it humility, we'll call it pride, one who, who exalts himself above. That means I love myself so much, look at how good I am. Uh, and one who does those things, um, they're, they're going to be humbled. They're going to be humiliated. Um, I think there's a maybe, maybe there's something worth uh, talking about before we move on to 11. Um, the, the difference between, um, 
maybe humiliation and humbling. I know in the EHV, um, you have the one who exalts himself will be humbled, and then he who uh, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Um, some other translations will say um, he who exalts himself will be humiliated, um, and and I think there's a connotation there that that may be worth speaking about. Um, the difference between humiliation and humbling. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that at all. No, I didn't really. I did not really think about it that way. I just the idea of um, it's a concept of you think you're important. Well, who's whose opinion matters the most? I mean, if you're looking for validation, who gives you the validation that matters? And if you look at yourself and you say my accomplishments and what the things that I have done that makes me important or that makes me worth something, um, that's going to be humbled because we're not worth anything to God by ourselves. Outside of his grace and mercy, we have nothing to boast about. I read that somewhere um, in the small cold articles, uh, <laughs> section number three, paragraph 12. If you want to look it up on the Book of Concord, just outside of God's uh, grace and mercy, there is nothing that, uh, that we could boast about. So it so then it follows those who are humble themselves as they think of themselves in their relationship with God will then therefore be exalted because God's going to say, um, you, you're great in my sight because Jesus died for you. You're great in my sight because you have the perfection of Jesus that now I have given you. You are my son, and you are, uh, you are put in the exalted place at my banquet table uh, because of him. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I guess I was, I was uh, and, and I agree with everything that you're saying there, and, and it's that perspective of who you are in the light of others. Um, but, but the idea of the one who exalts himself now is brought low. Um, you know, they, it, see, hum, being someone who is humble, uh, that's like an internal thing. Um, I, if someone is humble, they have humbled themselves. They recognize where they are in the hierarchy of things. Um, so a Christian, um, a Christian who is brought low by the law, um, they're humbled. They recognize I in the grand scheme of where God desires for my life to be and where I should be, I'm not there. Um, and so I don't strive to, to look at myself and say, hey, look at me. Um, but the one who does look at God's law and says, I can do that. I can live that way. And in fact, I have lived that way. In fact, look at me. Look at how good that I am. Um, you know, the Lord steps in and he now applies that humbling to them. And now they're humiliated. Um, you think of, uh, at least to me, I think of the steps of Christ's humiliation. And we, you know, sometimes we confuse it and we say, well, uh, Christ humbled himself. He did humble himself, but he was humiliated. Along the way. He was humiliated along the way. And this is one of those occurrences. People, people like you had said, he is the God of all creation, and he's standing there waiting for them to, to recognize who he is, and he's seeing how they're fighting over the scraps. <laughs> and he's, he, he, that's a humiliation. That the, the God of all creation um, standing there and now having to remind them of what is good and what should take place and how we should react to somebody is now being forced to stand there and be humiliated because they didn't recognize who he is. Later on in his life, he is going to be humiliated, right? Uh, as he's stripped of his clothing, his earthly garb, he's stripped uh, of all of his his uh, strength as they beat him. He is going to be put to the, the, the very worst of all sentences as they, they put him upon the cross. Um, and through it all, you know, 
he humbled himself, yes, placing himself under the law, but there was this humiliation placed upon him. Um, and that is, I, I think that's important for us to know the difference. Um, God's law works on us, and now as Christians, I am humble. I know who I am in Christ, and I know what I am because of my sinful nature. Um, but so many times, my, my sinful nature needs to be humiliated. It needs to be dragged out, and God needs to point to it and say, you schmuck, <laughs> right? Um, and, and allow that to happen. So that's, that's the only place that I was, I was going to say about that. Should we continue on? Um, Taking a look at verse 12 and, and going through 24? Yep. All right. So we can do just 12 to 14? We can, we can do 12 to 14 because then we're going to split on to the, the great parable of, of the, the banquet. So we want to do that. All right. Looking at uh, verse 12 then. He also said to one who had invited him, I should say to the one who had invited him, when you make a dinner or a supper... Uh, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors so that perhaps they may also return the favor and pay you back. But when you make a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Certainly, you will be repaid in the resurrection of the righteous. Um, so here you go. What do you got for us? Um, well, I, as he is looking at this, everyone finding a spot, now now he is moving on from just where they're sitting to who is sitting where. Um, these people that are sitting there are all people that had something perhaps to give this the 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 uh, the owner, the the man who had dropsy or the man who had that inflammation is now gone. I don't know where he is. Where you let him go? What? How much do you want to lean into that? Did, is he out of this picture or is he still at this banquet? He was probably like, I got what I want, and I'm out of here. I don't want to be around you. You're a bunch of sinners. Or he, <laughs> he could have said, I want to hang around this guy. What else can this guy do if he healed me of this? Hey, Jesus, we'll catch up with you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. Um, and uh, he Want to pencil me in for next Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. So Sorry. just the uh, – um, uh, who 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 do we bring into our life? Who do we bring into the church life? That's a good good thought for us. Of what do we want our church to look like? What do we want our um, lives to look like? Who are the people that we associate with? It does take a ton of energy for some to actually have relationship with others. I know there's uh, studies today about how hard it is to become friends with other adults once you become adults. Who are the people that we're going to associate with? And now Jesus is telling, giving us that challenge: associate with people who give absolutely nothing back to you uh, which do is something good for somebody who will never ever repay you and and that's really the opposite of friendship isn't it i, I yeah. hate to say that i because it makes it sound as if you know people make friends because of their own egos but the truth is we do make friends because of our own egos i mean the friends that we gather around us are friends that we think have fulfilled something in our life um they were there for us when we were down they they provide the sounding board that we need. They uh, fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. They become those friends. And when, when for whatever reason, that um, friendship becomes a burden or no longer useful, we have a tendency to go separate ways. And we've said that before. We've, we've all said that before. Well, you know, the friendship kind of ran its course, right? Mm -hmm. The friendship kind of went it and, and did it and went its way. Um, and, and here you have 
this he, he, almost you have Jesus coming to this party going I'm just going to I'm just going to nitpick every little thing um you know you almost expect him to you know hit the waiter uh, and say well you know it was undercooked meat <laughs> um <laughs> but he's he's nitpicking this whole entire way but he he comes and he says okay your guests are guests that they're they're trying to bide for your affections um first of all and and then to the to the guy who's who's setting the whole thing up he's saying what you did what you set up you set up for the purpose of your own ego and and you set it up because because somewhere down the line they're going to owe you a favor somewhere down the line they're going to pay you back somewhere down the line um, they're going to, you're going to get some type of an accolade and some type of a kickback. Um, it, it comes back down to the, uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying what you did is wrong, but I mean, we were at our conference and you go in your schmooze, <laughs> right? You know, I'm gathering around, you're ma you're, you're meeting people and making friends that are, that are, you know, because we live in a world where truth be told, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, and there's truth to that. Yeah, and I wasn't schmoozing because I was help trying to help. Myself. I know because it it didn't help myself. But it it, it does really. Honest. I mean, you were able to teach the PSI program. I mean, but that you wasn't because I schmoozed. Breaking, breaking right there. <laughs> You're jealous. <laughs> I am jealous. <laughs> Aren't we all jealous? An opportunity to go across the See, world and we, proclaim. If, <laughs> if only we were like the body of Christ. When one part does well, we rejoice with it. One part suffers, we suffer with if it. Only. It, if only. If <laughs> only. Instead, Will Harley is going, Dave Rudock gets to teach online. Why don't I get to teach online? So I'm telling you, if, anyway, if only we had Christian podcasters. And it wasn't because I was schmoozing. Because if we're gonna if we're going to put all of our cards out on the table, it didn't really do anything for me other than... Uh, it well, was you're nice an introvert, so of course it would not yeah, do yeah, anything so for you. It was completely emptying yeah. up. Of of my tank, but I do uh, subscribe to this thing called the fellowship. You know that we are in, in fellowship, so that means we have to talk with one another. But bring us back and enjoy one another's company. And bring us back to the text. Um, it does really illustrate what does it mean to love your neighbor. You're not just loving people who can love you back. You are loving people who can't do anything for you, and how difficult that is. And and before we start whining about how difficult it is, then we go back to Jesus. Well, Jesus has nothing in common with us, with the rest of humanity ever since the fall. He has n it's, it's like, why would I want to spend time with these people? Jesus wants to spend time with these people because he does truly love us and want what's best for us. Yeah. And, and we have a comment here, which I take great offense to. Um, <laughs> they, they, there's you, a claim that triggered. we're teaching online. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation we are not teaching <laughs> <laughs> we are sharing god's word with each other and we're learning from each other and you just happen to be learning <laughs> no, no, we're it, learning from the scriptures yeah but we're not teaching <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not don't ever get that in your head no um no, this is one of those things, though, that that we we step <laughs> back and. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is one of those things where where we look back and and we all need that lesson, right? That that um, the reason why we do things in this world should never have the motivation of I'm doing them because I'm going to get something in return. But how hard is it to remove yourself from that? Um, how how hard is it to remove yourself from that idea of of 
if I do, then I will. And, and, and it even can be so simple. And, and, and here's the, the corollary to it. You could be going out there and saying, I, I go to the, the food pantry and I volunteer at the food pantry. I go to the soup kitchen and I, and I serve soup um, there. And you're like, see, I'm doing this. I'm doing what the Lord has asked of me and I'm not being that Pharisee and only, and only throwing parties for my friends. But here's how insidious the, the sinful nature is. I'm doing it because it makes me feel better. And, 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 and that, you know, it's really hard. And we look at that and we say, well, wait a second. What are you saying? And, 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 and this is the part that really gets, but I'm helping them. You are. And that's good. But did you do it because you wanted to help them? Or did you do it because it made you feel better? And you're like, well, I did it because I wanted to help them. But it also made you feel better. And that's how insidious that, that sinful nature is. It clouds everything that we do. Um, and, and so even in saying, you know, we're going to give to the poor that can't pay you back, you know, then you get into the mind of, I'm doing this because God asked me to do this. Now look how good I am that I'm doing this. They can't pay me back. Well, no, now you all that good thing just kind of went right down the toilet. Um, and so we need a Savior who... It's like the, for those of us who are older, like the one friend's episode where Phoebe tried to do a, a completely selfless act and all of her friends pointed out that every selfless act that she tried to do was actually a, benefited her in some way, so it was really difficult. And uh, so I guess that was the only spirituality that I could find from the friend's show. But it was all. true. It's a true. It's a true statement. How difficult it is to do something for someone who does nothing for themselves. And if you look at the... Uh, nothing for us. As you look at the t at the text, it doesn't seem like anybody really got it. It seemed like they thought they understood right. what Jesus was talking about. Like, oh, of course we do that, Jesus. Of course we let in the, the crippled and the blind. You know, we of course we're we're we're, bene we're we're benefiting others. And maybe they weren't like you said. Their sinful nature has has tweaked something in. Like, well, maybe I I did this little thing over here, or this little thing over there uh, to help those, but I wasn't devoted my entire existence for the benefit of someone else. I have just, from time to time, I've helped out the poor. I've, right. I've thrown some money at the beggar on the road, that kind of thing, where then the next statement uh, that is given to Jesus is, is not really in response to what he said, other than that they like the idea of a banquet, and they like the idea of a banquet in heaven. Yeah, um, so that's where we're going. I, I can I get the hint. We're, we're moving on. Um, so as we move on, though, um, he's going to follow now throwing a banquet. And so he's going to give a parable of the great banquet. Um, and this is going to take us to the end of um, where we want to go. Uh, just maybe a note um, before we begin. Um, if you notice on the screen, it gives another reference to something similar, a parable similar. Uh, Matthew 22, 1 through 14. Um, don't know for sure if this is the same yeah. occurrence, but, but you know, like every good preacher, sometimes you reuse some of your material um, because it just works. <laughs> and so there's, there's a little bit of that going on here. Um, so verse 15, when one of those at the table with him heard these things, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to him, a certain man made a great banquet and invited many people. When it was time for the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who were invited. Come, because everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a field, and I need to go and see it. I ask you to excuse me. 
Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, and so I am unable to attend. The servant arrived, reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house was angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring in here the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. The servant said, Master, what you commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and urge them to come in so that my house may be filled. Yes, I tell you that none of those men who were invited will taste my banquet. All right. So we have um, really the Lord now throwing a, a, a big party. Um, you ha I like how you kind of gives, the, and you brought it up, he kind of gives that, that entrance, um, the idea of a feast. The, I love this feast. You know, And you almost think that the guy's like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of talking about what we've done wrong. Let's, let's do some spiritual talk. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk and wane philosophical. Uh, and so he's like, let's, you know, I would love to have this feast in the kingdom of God. And um, can't, wait. Can't, wait. can't wait for it. And the Lord says, let me tell you about the feast in the kingdom of God. You were invited, and, and you came up with excuses. So yeah, so the setup is, is that every person knew when this banquet was, that this banquet was coming. They knew that, the, maybe not have known the exact moment that it was going to come, but they knew that the banquet was coming. So it wasn't like it was out of the blue where the, the master of the banquet says, oh, by the way, I'm throwing this big party. Can you come? It is, oh, by the way, I'm throwing this big party. I'll let you know when it is and come on over. And, and the, the, the uh, assumption is, is that clear your schedules, guys. Clear your schedules because this party is going to be awesome. I want you to be there. So I have a question for you. And 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 maybe you can answer it. Maybe you can't. Um, the not. man, the man who who poses this question, he is looking ahead and he's saying, "I can't wait to till the 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 heavenly." You almost get this idea. He can't wait to the heavenly kingdom and the banquet that's going to be there. Jesus' answer is, "It's now. It's here now. I'm here. I am the bread of life. I am I am the banquet." Come, I mean, and I get this yeah. from his response. Come because everything is now ready. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, those are the words I say right before, you know, before communion. Um, come because now is all prepared. Everything is ready. Um, it, it's I that idea that he's, he, the guy's looking ahead and saying, I can't wait to that time. And Jesus is like. It's here. I think it's either, you know, culturally or through the spirit of God, culturally and through the spirit of God, spirit of God. Uh, the Old Testament Israelites were ready for the coming of the Messiah. Like, this Messiah is going to come. They had uh, lots of, in their worship life and in, in the word of God that was given to them, read in the synagogue, was this Messiah is coming. The kingdom of heaven is coming. It's coming. And so they have this mentality, like, this is what they're waiting for. They're, they're waiting for the promised Messiah or the Messianic age. And, of course, they've o over time, what does the Messiah mean? wasn't what God intended it to mean. Right. But they're waiting for something big to happen, some big event, and the, a banquet of heaven, uh, a heavenly banquet seems like a, like you say, like something is happening in the future, and I do agree with you that Jesus is saying, it's here now. We've, the, we, the, the, the word of God, are, has been, 
prepping you for this big event that's coming, that, that this is going to happen, and now here it is, and you are making excuses. Yeah, and, and, and those excuses are not even really good excuses. Um, I mean, the, the so the first excuse is um, I bought some land. And so maybe the idea is I bought land without seeing it, and I got to go now and see what I paid for. Or maybe uh, the idea of I bought land, but the, de the deal's not done until I, I, I can stand there. Kind of like the final closing, you know, you, you walk through the house before you sign the final paperwork. Maybe that's kind of the idea. But that's not the excuse. You knew the party was coming. I mean, this and the land doesn't have wheels. Yeah, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go away, and tomorrow's another day. You you, you could get it done. Um, so it's it, it's kind of like the idea of well, it's not my fault that you decided to double book. Um, you know, for for this instance, and and they all um, in the making of excuses. The Greek language has the idea of like they're begging, they're yeah. like they're begging to be excused. Like this is these are all legitimate things, but oftentimes when we make excuses, whether it's uh, excuses not to come to worship or make excuses before somebody else. It's always something vague, but it sounds important. It's right. It, right. There can't be specific because if it, they were specific, then you could really like point, a, pull, put a hole in it. Like, oh, you bought land. Is it going to be there tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess you can do it today, can't you? Yeah. Um, uh, I bought five. I won't want to get into the other one, but all the other excuses. It's like it's not as big sounding as it sounds but if you make it vague it might sound even more important well and and that's legitimate and like you say maybe that's because a lot of the excuses that we come up with aren't that good <laughs> i mean rea uh, the the reality of the situation is you know um and, and i've said this to my wife before there's times that we've been invited to parties and and for the families or things like that and and my wife will say to me um what's our excuse not to go and and I'm like, what do you mean? What's our excuse not to go? And she's like, well, we don't want to go, right? And I said, no, I don't, I don't want to. Like, uh, I, I a couple of times we've had a party um, in my extended family, which was right after service on Sunday, and I'm tired. Uh, you know, you get done with service, you get done with Bible study. I don't want to drive to Milwaukee, because that's where my extended family is, to have a party at five o'clock at night to drive back home for the kids to go to school the next day. And and so my wife's like, well, what's our excuse? What what can we tell them? And I'm like. The truth. I don't want to go. And and really, that's you almost get this idea that that Jesus is saying to them, "Tell the truth. You don't want to go. You, you don't care about what it is that I'm offering. You don't care uh, really about what it is that God has given to you, because you are so conceited and so self-absorbed and so wrapped up in your own little life that honestly, thinking outside of that, you just don't care." And and be honest about it, because you need help then too. But but you don't like you said yeah. they're covering it up. Yeah, they're covering it up because they're right. they're they're making this. Um, it's the lie that we're telling ourselves. Well, we think God is important. The the all of these people at this banquet would if you would press them and say, do you think God is important? Do you think God's word is important? They would all say, yes, God's word is important. God is important. This is the important part. Do you want to listen to his word, which says that this guy that's standing here in this room that you don't like is actually the Messiah? No. No, 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 no. Uh, he, he, and then you come up with the vague thing. Well, he doesn't, you know, he he associates with tax collectors and sinners. And, 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 he, and he, uh, heals on the the Sabbath. Sabbath. he heals on the yeah. Sabbath. He heals on the Sabbath. And his disciples don't fast. They're enjoying themselves. And, yeah. and so you make all these little tiny excuses to eliminate Jesus to be the, the promised Messiah, whereas you it's that disconnect between what you say and what you do right and it happens 
it's still here in 2023. People say, oh, I believe in God, or I, I'm a Christian, or I belong to this church. Then where are you on Sunday? Right. Where's the, where's the connect? Where's the connect? You, you say you are a Christian. Oh, I can't make it on Sunday. Well, then why aren't you going to some other church that does have worship on a different day? Right. Why aren't you calling pastor to say, can you come and bring me communion? Yeah, I know I can make it there on Sunday, but I, I have to work or something. There's none, there's none of that. There you're, you're always making excuses. You're like, well, it's the church's fault because they, they don't have worship time when it's convenient for me. There's the key word, when it's convenient, convenient. for me. Yes. When it when it's convenient for me and I can make it and I can make this work and fit my schedule, then it will be fine. I was on a rant and you were jealous, and so you took over the rant. It, it is, <laughs> you know, it's a rant that both and I, both you and I share, and and I think you expressed it beautifully. I, I you know, um, so thank you. Yeah, I mean, you did yeah, too. Yeah, go ahead. yours was better. <laughs> your soapbox, your soapbox was just a little bit higher than mine, and that's okay. Um, but that brings us to, to the final two, and the final two actually I think are interesting because um, verse nineteen, verse twenty. They give the the first is, um, you know, he's plowing the field, right? I have five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Uh, the second one is I just got married. And those are interesting to me because those are actually legitimate excuses for not serving in the military um, from Deuteronomy chapter 20. So in Deuteronomy chapter 20, those are the those are the, the excuses you can give to say, well, I can't go out to war today because I just got married and I need to... I need to get the next generation going. <laughs> and so um, there actually is a, is a, a law in there that gives uh, someone who's just been into marriage an opportunity not to go to war so that they don't lose their husband right away and have a chance to have children. Um, and then also as a farmer, because the need of producing crops and, and feeding the, the army was so an, uh, an important thing, they didn't have to go to war. Um, and so those are, you would think, those are legitimate excuses. Um, but the Lord says, no, no, even those aren't. Because if you have five yoke of oxen, what does that say? That says you're wealthy. And if you're wealthy, that says you have servants. And can the servants test out those oxen? I think they can. Or are those oxen going to be there tomorrow? Yeah. I think they will be. So it's, it, it's that uh, making an excuse that seems like it's uh, responsible or that it seems like it's uh, on, an, on a higher level, on the up and up. But really, it's 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 an excuse. You don't want to go, right? And if it, and oh, I just got married. Yeah, but you're not going to war. You're going to a party. Bring her with. Yeah, yeah. unless <laughs> the party was only men. But that's kind of a, one of those where like eh, I'm not sure. You know. Yeah, I don't think that was one of the things that they would have done, even in this culture. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, instead of bring your own beer, bring your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is also it, the good connect of the pleasures of life. Like I I need this break. You know, right. I need this. I need to go and go up to the cabin. I need to uh, take uh, this vacation, or I need. We have this thing going on. The kids need to be in these sports, and that means we need to go to these tournaments because these are. This is our hobby. This is our family thing. This is what uh, we're doing. This for them. This is a good thing. And um, but it's not. Yes, we know. We know, Pastor. We don't have to have in sports. You know, it's just recreation. It's just for our own pleasure. But it is an important thing. And the Lord is saying, not saying they're not important, but this is more important, yeah. and this was given to you. Even Yeah, and then you could even use the marriages to talk about what all of the institutions that God has given to you, or all the different callings that God has given to you. Say, well, I, I, need, you know, I, I need to rest, or I need um, to spend time with my kids because I'm gone all the week, and now here, Sunday is the only day for me to spend time with them. And 
it's it sounds good, it's sure. but it's still an excuse. It's still something vague. It's still you not putting emphasis on the banquet. Absolutely. And so what does the Lord do? The Lord then, he, he changes his idea, and he says, uh, or the, the leader of the banquet, he says, you know what? Um, fine, I am going to go out, and, and the people who don't have a decent meal, people who have absolutely nothing, these are beggars. I am going to... I am going to give to these beggars. And so he goes and he invites every person that you would think couldn't make it, couldn't. He provides a way to get there. He says, fill it up. Let's go. Um, and brings them in. And the urging part, I really was fascinated by that, that concept uh, where you say, what, urge them and compel them to come in? What, what is, right. What's going on there? And it's just the idea. The food's getting cold. It, that's all that's there. It's not like, oh, we're going to um, force somebody like the... Um, the the, um, the the pioneers coming across the Native Americans and forcing them all to be baptized by having them run through a river. Like, this is how we're going to urge right. people to come into the kingdom of God. But it is just that urgency of the food is ready. Here it is. Here's the banquet. Come right. and, and see it. We're going to find as many people as we can. We'll get them here somehow. Now is the time. Yeah, and I, and, and I like that idea. I, at least in my own head, I like that idea of... Um, we're, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, don't worry about how you're going to get here. We'll, I'll get you here. The, 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 the Lord of the banquet is, is not saying, um, make sure they get here. He's, he's saying, bring them, bring, you bring them, get them here. I don't, I don't care if you fly them. I don't care if you drag them. I don't care if you throw them into a cart, get them here. Um, and, and there's there's some beauty to that that you know this is again the Lord bringing us we don't bring ourselves these are the lame these are the because if we had the ability to bring ourselves we would be the one giving the excuses not to come um, and and yet we are beggars one and all as Luther had s- has so beautifully said uh, we we come with nothing we have no means and yet God provides everything for us that we would be in Him um, and so He fills out the room and and then He gives that final epitaph right um, which is. Uh, the people that he had originally invited, the people that that he had sent the invitations to, they're they're never going to get it. The the, the banquet's over now. That that it's been thrown. Which yeah carries on that idea of the urgency. Like this yeah. is, uh, it this doesn't this banquet isn't going to last forever. We we want people to come in and enjoy it. We want to give it to as many people as possible. But it will end. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it will end. And. Uh, um, Make sure you're on the right side of the door when yeah. the door is closed. So that is uh, that's our scandalous story, I think, for for really today. The scandalous story of uh, loving your neighbor, um, loving the Lord your God, prioritizing not only that love for Him through the Spirit as He enables you, but also to see the Spirit work um, in loving those who who so desperately need to know that their Savior is there for them, and they and they get to see it through you. Um, and, and then how we have a problem with that because, man, we are very unloving creatures um, until God acts on us. Uh, so as we are coming to the end, we have two more episodes, I would say, in the hopper for Scandalous Stories. Um, and whenever you're invited to a party, dear brothers in Christ, BYOW, don't bring your own wine, bring your own wife. Um, that's always a good thing to do is bring your own wife, not someone <laughs> else's wife. Um, and, so <laughs> and so with those words, we will leave you into God's good grace uh, in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us, and stay tuned for 
the post show. Thank <laughs> you.